my dads. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck, and you're listening to episode 19 of the Bedatitudes podcast. And we're talking about blessed are the dads who are pure in heart, and specifically in our relationship with our kids. What does that mean? And how do we form kids who are also pure in heart? You know, in the, uh, in, as, as with all the other Bedatitudes, we start by talking about our relationship with our father and what that, that purity of heart means there. And then we talk about our relationship with our wife in the last podcast. And now we're finally getting around to talking about our, our relationship with our kids and, and how do we foster that same purity in them, both in the ways we teach them and in our example. So when it comes to uh, cultivating purity of heart in our kids, um, it involves really four things. And I talk about this in more detail in the book, but, but the first point is giving them moral instruction. Uh, the second one is modeling authentic love. Thirdly, forming them as whole persons. And then finally, teaching them to choose love over use. Let's take a brief look at each one of those things. You know, giving our kids moral instruction, that goes way beyond just telling them what the rules are. You know, don't don't have sex before marriage because it's a sin, right? I mean, that is technically true, but it doesn't really communicate anything meaningful to our kids. They don't understand what that means or why it happens to be true. And so it's important when we talk about um, love and sexuality with our kids to, to talk about what those things mean. You know, the idea idea that, that when, when we say, I love you to somebody, um, that it means that we're promising to work for their good. Uh, and that in any relationship, um, our bodies speak a language too. And that when we are intimate with somebody, physically intimate with somebody, what we're saying to them is, I give all of myself to you. I give my past and my present and my future to you. You can trust me to be here for you. Um, you can trust me to work for your good for the rest of my life because I want to be part of you. I want to be part of everything you do and everything you think and, and everything you struggle with. And I am promising to be there. And so when we, when we make love with somebody, that's the promise our bodies are making. And to make that promise to somebody without the intention or the ability to carry it out is to lie to them, which means that we're not working for their good. We're using them to, to make ourselves feel a certain thing. And the feeling might be good, but, but but pursuing a feeling that something that feels good in a wrong way is wrong and it's hurtful both to us and to that other person now it's true that there are a lot of people who don't believe or don't know that the body makes a promise in lovemaking but our biology doesn't know that you know um research shows that when a person makes love with another person that initiates the chemical reactions in the brain that form a bond between you and that other person. And so even if you psychologically aren't intending to make a promise to that person to be all in, to be part of them, your body reacts as if you have become part of them. In fact, uh, when a couple breaks up, um, their body responds to them the same, the brain responds the same way the brain would respond if you had a broken arm or a broken leg. A part of you is broken. And the more intimate you've been with a person, the more that tends to be true. Um, so our bodies know that we're making a promise, even if we convince ourselves that we're not. So giving good moral instruction means talking to our kids about the meaning of the body and what love really means and how our body communicates certain things about love, uh, and that we want to make sure that we're never lying to another person, pretending that we can give them more of a commitment than we are actually either able to uh, or, or capable of 
based on who we are, where we're at in our life, uh, in our state of life, and making sure that everything we do with another person is, is true and honest and rooted in that desire to work for their good. Uh, secondly, modeling authentic love is an important part of that purity of heart. You know, and how do we treat our, how do we treat our wife? Uh, how are, are we affectionate? Are we affirming? How do we demonstrate healthy affection in our homes? You know, um, kids are much more likely to engage in unhealthy uh, relationships, unhealthy physical relationships, when they haven't experienced a proper amount of healthy affection in their homes growing up. Uh, and why is that? Well, because you know the difference between healthy and unhealthy touch. Um, we are created for touch. Our bodies crave it. In fact, um, the social brain, the part of the brain that's responsible for all of our social functions, including empathy, including self-regulation, including moral reasoning, all of those things that enable us to be able to uh, understand and sympathize with another person and create strong relationships, those brain structures are fed by affection. And the more affection we receive, the, the more those parts of our brain uh, come alive and enable us to participate in healthy relationships. Um, when we are affectionate with our kids, when we demonstrate healthy affection with our wife, um, and our kids can see that, um, they know what healthy affection looks like and what it feels like. So they're less likely to settle for counterfeits. Um, when a kid is raised in a household that's not affectionate, they crave that affection and they are easily tempted by anybody who's willing to offer that affection to them, even if that person is unhealthy. And so an important part of our moral instruction is modeling, is the second point of modeling healthy, authentic love uh, demonstrated through our affection and through the ways we demonstrate love with our body, uh, in our with our wife and with our kids. And the more we can do that in healthy ways, the more our kids know what to look for in a healthy relationship. Thirdly, we want to form our kids as whole persons. And we have this tendency to think that if I've communicated the rules about Catholic sexuality, then I've done my job. But the Catechism reminds us that um, so our sexuality represents the, the intimate core of the human person. In other words, everything we are and every struggle we have ultimately gets communicated through our sexual self. Um, and so if we want to have a healthier sexual life, we have to work on the rest of us. Um, in my book, Beyond the Birds and the Bees, I talk about eight virtues, eight strengths that, that, that are the recipe, are the ingredients, if you will, of a healthy sexuality. Uh, and those things include uh, love and, and particularly self-donative love. In other words, that, that love that's committed to working for the good of the other person, even when it's hard for me to do that. Um, secondly, faith. In other words, a personal connection with God. And why is that important? Well, because if I have that personal connection with God, I know what I'm worth. And I know what you're worth in God's eyes. And I never want to do anything that would betray that. Um, thirdly, uh, responsibility. And by responsibility, I mean the ability to respond in healthy ways to situations, right? As opposed to react, as opposed to being carried away by my feelings. If I have that ability to respond, I, there, I've created a space between um, what I feel and when I act, right? So I have this feeling, but then I've created this space where I can choose how to act on that. I have the ability to respond. When I just react, I have a feeling and then I have to do what my feeling tells me to do. So in teaching our kids to be responsible, to have the ability to respond as opposed to react, we are teaching our kids how to have a healthy sexuality. Um, respect is another quality that's, that's essential here. You know, is, is a child capable 
of of speaking respectfully. And what does that mean? That means ultimately talking to another person as if they're a person, right? Not just something that gets in my way or something that irritates me or something that, that is an obstacle to me. I, I see you as a whole person and, and that you deserve to be treated well uh, in the way I speak to you, in the way I act toward you. So that respect ultimately is communicated in all of my relationships and every aspect of my relationships. Intimacy is another one of those qualities, which refers to my ability to communicate myself effectively emotionally and relationally. Um, I, I'm good at talking about my feelings. I'm good at solving problems. I'm good at being honest and open and, and vulnerable in healthy ways with you. The more I'm capable of those things, the healthier my physical relationship is going to be. Um, and the more I struggle with that, of course, the opposite is also true. Um, collaboration is another quality, you know, that's an important virtue or strength for healthy sexuality. How able am I am to work with others, to create something good, uh, to, to take um, your interests and my interests and put them together in a way that are mutually satisfying? Um, joy. You know, how, how able am I to really enjoy life, to, to relax and, and just have fun and be silly, right? And then finally, personhood, which is the quality that, that has to do with knowing my, my being, being, uh, sorry, being appreciative of my body uh, and my masculinity or, or femininity. Uh, what, what does that mean to, to have a body and, and to, like I was saying earlier, to use it to express love in healthy ways? Um, through my masculine or my feminine body. And the more I have a sense of these eight qualities, the more I have a healthy sexuality. So, you know, as parents, we often think, well, you know, my kid's not doing anything wrong. So therefore they're a good kid and they, and they have a good sense of what to do in, in, in their romantic relationships when they become teenagers or young adults. Um, but if they don't have these eight qualities in spades, then we can't trust that they will have healthy uh, romantic relationships and ultimately a healthy sexual relationship in their adulthood. That they, they, we can't trust the purity of heart because purity of heart is the, um, is the fruit of these eight virtues working together in a person. I talk more about this uh, in terms of raising kids in my book, Beyond the Birds and the Bees, Raising Sexually Whole and Holy Kids, and also uh, in terms of adult sexuality in my book, Holy Sex, The Catholic Guide to Mind-Blowing, Toe-Curling, and Fallible Loving. You can get both of those at catholiccounselors.com. Um, so the last point on this is, is, again, teaching them to choose love over use. Uh, and, and as I've shared with you in previous podcasts, um, St. John Paul made the point that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is use. Um, and so when we love somebody, we humanize them. We, we make them more human. We help them flourish as individuals, even when it's hard for us. You know, we work for their good, even when it's not convenient for us, even when it causes us to step outside of our comfort zones or sacrifice a little bit. And, and so when I say I love you, what I'm really saying is I promise you that I'm always going to work for your good, even when it's hard. That's what I love you really means. I promise I'm going to work for your good, even when it's hard for me. I'm always going to help you be your best person, the best person that you can be. I'll do everything I can to make that happen. And when I say I love you, that's the promise that I'm making. 
Now, when I use somebody, though, that's the opposite. I, I'm dehumanizing you. I'm turning you into a thing, an object, uh, a tool that I can use to accomplish my ends or meet my needs. I, I see you only as the thing that I, I use to make myself feel better. And we often think about that in terms of lust and sexuality, where we use another person for sexual gratification. But we can use people in lots of different ways. We can use our kids as, as slaves to go running around doing the things that I don't feel like doing. We can, you know, we can treat our kids as objects when we ignore them. And when we, uh, you know, we, we don't look at their pictures that they want to show us or don't listen to the things they want to tell us, we end up using them and seeing them as objects as, as opposed to persons. You know, so making sure that we are teaching them what the real meaning of love actually is. And also modeling that model of love in, in, in our relationships with them and with all the people that we know. You know, I, I, we share in um, really most of our parenting books that kids as young as four or five years old can understand the idea of love versus use. You know, you, 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 you're, you take a time where your child says something to you like, uh, you know, I love you, daddy. Uh, and they said, I love you too, son. Um, do you know what that means? What do you mean? Well, when you say I love you to somebody, do you know what that means? Uh -huh. <laughs> right. Well, all right. So when I play with you, when, when, I'm, when we're cuddling together, when I'm reading stories or we're wrestling and we're having fun, am I loving you then? Yeah. Okay. Well, how about that time you were sick and I made you take that medicine? Was I loving you then? Uh, I guess. Well, how about the time where I had to correct you and, and, and you know, tell you that you were doing something wrong? Was I loving you then? Maybe. Um, well, all of those things were examples of me loving you because in all of those situations, I was helping you be your best. You know, when I'm playing with you and we're having fun together, I'm helping you be your best by, you know, learning how to enjoy life and enjoying each other. And when I made you take your medicine when you were sick, I was helping you be your best because I wanted you to be healthy. And when I corrected you, I was helping you be your best by learning how to handle that situation better so that you, people would like you and you would know how to get along with other people. And in every, 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 all of those different situations, even though it was sometimes hard, I was helping you be your best. So when you say, I love you to somebody, you're promising to help them be their best. So when you say you love me, you're promising to help me be my, be my best. How could you do that? And you talk about, you know, what, uh, you know, when, when your child listens to you, it helps you be your best. And when your child does their chores, when the child, you know, all those things that they do to help contribute to your well-being um, by, by listening and by being uh, pleasant and by getting along with their brothers and sisters and being a positive and making positive contributions to the household. All of those things are ways that they, they help you be your best. And so when they say, I love you, they're promising to help you be your best and you're doing the same for them. And you can teach kids, like I said, as young as four and five, that, that lesson, um, and then build on that as time goes by. So they really understand what, what true love is. You know, these four points ultimately enable us to effectively convey purity of heart to our kids, excuse me, and model that purity of heart in our relationships with our kids in our homes. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you have questions, I hope that you'll post them in the Home Builders Forum on the Catholic Home app. Love to see you there.